each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Varney. Robot Keith Varney. Non-robot Mike and Eglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Who's excited for the snowstorm? This guy. We've already got about an inch on the ground, baby. Woo! And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which uh, me, I'm Keith, and my buddy, Mike, uh, we discuss David Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. We do. Uh, This week is uh, we are really in momentous times for the practice uh, because we are talking about Season 7, Episode 21, which uh, aired on May 5th, 2003. We're going to you know talk about all the regular stuff, <clears throat> but I'd like to point out that uh, this episode and the season finale aired on the same night. So if you're in real life, in May of 2003, you're watching these back-to-back. And, uh, you know, a little behind the scenes, we were pretty sure at this point uh, they getting canceled. So uh, we were expecting this probably to be the last evening of the practice. Turns out, spoiler alert, it didn't. But uh, we were definitely experiencing it Should it have? Way. Different question. Oh, well, you're going to have to answer that for yourself, Mr. Indaglio. Uh, Wait, so is this the season finale? Uh, next episode is the oh, season so finale, they knew. but so they aired back they were... to back. Oh, so, okay, okay. Uh, so I started watching this thinking that this was the penultimate episode of the series. Mm, uh, the final two is, of hours of The of final Bobby. two hours. Uh, and of course, this episode is called Baby Love. Baby and, uh, Love, my baby love. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was uh, unfortunately it. it's not a musical like we were hoping it might be. Uh, but um, yeah, so anyway, so in the real world here, we're recording this on January twenty eighth, two thousand and twenty two. Here in the Eastern Corridor, we're supposed to get a big old storm. Well, uh, big tomorrow. Actually, actually, it it has increased. Ooh. Is it not tomorrow? So, well, I guess we're not that far from each other. But what I'm reading now is that it's going to take a little break right here, and then kind of. Around mid afternoon through tomorrow morning is when the mm-hmm. we so we're looking That's at right. six to eight here is the, at last check. What about you? Yeah, that I was looking at it earlier. It says uh, it says four to eight is the most likely scenario, but ne- but the next two most likely scenarios are more than that, oh, okay. which add up to more than. Uh, we're doing some analytics here on the. Uh, well, they're saying the that more western. But I don't know. You know what? Uh, who knows? It is. Gonna, I have to dig my car out one way or the other. I, I hope we get some snow. It's super it's coming down it's super here. Fun. I mean, we're in a full snowstorm right now. 
we got a little bit uh, this morning, but it stopped now and it sort of melted off. Um, so it's probably probably not going to start until the evening. Uh, we hope so because we have some. We have to go somewhere. A little uh, housekeeping, gonna... real quick, Keith. I want to yeah. bring up as it was mentioned, but uh, on some of our emails. But I wanted to say it out. So when we do the show, uh, we're using Skype to do the show, and we are. so uh, what I hear from Keith is generally not what he's recording. So it's hard to diagnose if there are audio issues. The past two weeks, we've had some stuff. Uh, we record a two-hour podcast, so there's only so much we can do to fix issues after the fact. So it has not gone unrecognized. We've just we just kind of draw a line as to what's worth it, and we've I think over the Twelve years we've been doing the show. <laughs> uh, we've had to re-record probably four times, and it is, it is like pulling teeth when we've got to do not, that. It's not good. If if you wondered why our pilot was so bad, uh, beyond like, like three times, our like general badness, we we actually recorded it a second time because what was it? We didn't record something. Uh, we hadn't fine-tuned the SpaceX just yet. Uh, yes, yes. The streamlined well, process had not been <laughs> and, formulated. And what are we looking to? I mean, we're going into the last season. Well, it, let's put it let's put it this way: they were able to design, launch, and drive and park the uh, the the web telescope uh, one million miles from Earth before we figured out our crap. Uh, no question, uh, and never will. Uh, all right, so I I think let us jump into. Uh, some folks giving us crap about our crap in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings oh. and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and some penis. Filings and some penis, indeed. Well, let me tell you, we, uh, uh, where is it? We heard from our good friend. And moderator Phoenix Cage, who had some stuff to say in a window that I can't quite find right now. Ah, there it is. Ha <laughs> ha, good for me. Uh, he said, so we're losing the video, which means no more cat content. Yet, for some reason, the sports ball segment lives on. No, I, I mean, hey, you're still going to get cat content. It's just will be have to be put up on Instagram. Um, but yes, the sports ball segment will live on. If for no other reason than it bugs you, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just that type of a guy and uh, I find it interesting. You know what? I'm just that. I'm also uh, I'm a podcaster. I find st- stupid things interesting. Uh, but guess what? So Phoenix moderator Phoenix is not the only person who reached out to us this week uh, because guess what? We heard from good friend and friend of the yeah. show, the real Ray Abruzzo, who, uh, Talked about uh, he loved being a part of this show and uh, shared a little Instagram thing. Uh, he was in the uh, in the teaser, so it's great to hear uh, from the real Ray Abruzzo. And uh, yeah, I thank you so much for uh, at least checking out some of the stuff on Instagram. Um, and it's it's been nice to hear from um, you know the cast members that we've heard from that they really did have a good experience on the show. And uh, I mean, and Ray did more than forty episodes. Uh- we have an. Uh, this is great, actually. We have an on-air, real-time filing and subpoena from my mom. Oh my God! Really? Let Your us... mom generally writes wow. in, but my mom. I got this text just now. Haven't read it yet. I don't okay. think it pertains to our show, but oh, I was here we are. <laughs> Hi, Mike. 
I should mention, I text my mom frequently. She just never texts back. So this is a treat for for me. Oh, okay. Well, Hi, I, Mike. I, I... Ready for the snow? Question mark. Well, mom, it's already snowing quite a bit, but uh, all right. Is Jen working today or tonight? Tonight. I su- it's supposed to get bad tonight. Okay, I'm going. Straightening up a bit. I did bring my greens and beans, so come for dinner. Well, Thanks, there mom. you go. Hey. Okay. The, a little little window into Mike's, uh, you know. She texts me back. She made me greens nice. and beans. My my mother uh, texts me primarily about the Bruins, so uh, we we will frequently text our way through the uh, the Bruins games, mm-hmm. uh, which is always fun. Uh, all right. Well, uh, if you are uh, are not our mother, or maybe you are our mother, uh, how would they how would they uh, communicate with us, Mike? Uh, Keith, very easy to do so. They can write us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the social media at outofpractice. Podcast. Podcast. Otherwise, Nailed it. Uh, it won't get to us. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Oh my God. We are so good at this. You know what else we're really good about? We're good about hopping into time machines to take opportunities to talk more about ourselves uh, in a segment we call this day in the basement so we are of course talking about may 5th the year 2003 mike what were you up to keith one thing our podcast has been is well all over the place but Mm -hmm. there have been there have been moments i think the term we have coined is synchronicity synchronicity yep and this is another one that i think is fun and it shows a little then and now so I've talked, I've talked quite a bit on the show about this uh, ska band I used to be in back in high school. Mm-hmm. And even though that band had broken up, I always kept... Martian Flats 49? <laughs> Surprisingly close each time. So, Space 8 Mafia. So, <laughs> even though that had broken up, I still uh, kept an affinity for the music out of nostalgia. And there was a few bands I tracked as there, was, there were some that kind of kept it all together. So one of those was one of my my favorite bands originally, <clears throat> the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And most people probably have a touch tone with them from the 90s with that song that was like, uh, I never had to knock on wood, but I know someone who did. It made me wonder if I should. It's the impression that I get. You should. That's a YouTube strike. <laughs> I tried to uh, change the lyrics. Anyway, uh <laughs> But nonetheless, they were one of those bands that just like I stayed together forever. However, they had this this moment where they broke up in around it was definitely two thousand three. I think it was might have been dis. It was around this time, and I remember uh, feeling kind of sad when I read that they had broken up, uh, even though you know I hadn't I wasn't really following them closely. But it was just like it felt like it had closed a chapter on sort of my. Uh, it was two thousand three for sure. Uh, on my nostalgia and like that that period in my life. Years later, uh, actually only a couple years later, they got back together. And they have been together, Keith, since 2000, 2004 they got back together. And they've been together again all the way up until last night. No. I got a text from a friend who sent me a link to, a, to an article. And they the Mighty Mighty Boston's finally hung it up. And I started to get that same feeling that I got way back in 2003 of like, Harkening back to like my ska days and then how that was a long time ago and is over. However, the twist, the only, the perfect 2022 twist is it's not just like a bunch of friends 
who outgrew it and finally decided to like you know hang retire. Out. Right. No, it turns out the lead singer is an anti-vaxxer who started hosting all of his anti-vax stuff, and the band was like, "Yeah, no, we don't want to be associated with that." So peace. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> As it could have been a beautiful story for this day in the basement, but no, 2022 said you don't get that. There it's was gotta be about big, this other bullshit. Another big band that was happening. I, I don't know if it was Journey or or one of like the classic. It wasn't Queen. I think it was Journey. Uh that I, I obviously they didn't because they they performed on uh, New Year's, but uh, I I had heard that that was an issue uh, in the whole like Trump January sixth of it all. Well, luckily, Mike, if we ever start a band and break up, it will be purely because we detest each other as people and mm-hmm. not because of our political views. So, well, because there's only so many songs about Star Trek toys one can write. <laughs> you say that. You say that. <laughs> You've been doing I, it for uh, Christmas for for me, nay on 25 years. Well, I it, uh, this is going entirely off topic, but uh, there I I had a uh, an opportunity. Uh, brought to me about uh, an, an old musical that I wrote about football that I hadn't looked at or thought of in at least five years. And I started writing it when I was 25. And you asked the question, well, how many songs could you possibly write about football? And I looked back into the material and I have demos and songs written for, I think, easily three complete musicals worth of music written for that show um three all three of those musicals are failures uh but i definitely wrote enough football music uh, you know what's funny fill. about about that show that will i guess keep vague because i don't want to oh, over... it, it's, it's called elway elway okay. the musical so i always some I, th- I always felt some of your best music just as far as like musical theater was in that show but the problem I always uh, I always saw for you commercially was I'd be like, well, how big is it? And you're like, yeah, like sixty people. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean it was it was designed to be like a big splashy yeah. show, not sixty people. But no, I'm but, I'm, I'm hy- being hyperbolic. Hy- hyperbolic. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're gonna do a show about the NFL, it can't really be like a six person like guitar strummer. It's you know, but uh, but it, you know, it failed for lots of different reasons, but. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll send well, out this Well, because in this woke version. culture, Keith, I feel like there's no song that that addresses the concussion protocols, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's not that the musical was a failure, Keith. It's just mm-hmm. been in the blue tent for quite a while. <laughs> it's just that I that I forgot to write it. Okay, uh, so here we are. Let's let's talk fine, about Fine, Keith, my... fine. I'll be in it. I'll be in it. <laughs> Weren't you in it? <laughs> Didn't you do a reading or two of that over the years? If, if you've written a musical, I've done a reading of it. There it is. Uh, okay, so my time in the basement, and this is a little bit of a, of a teaser for next week because diving back into the emails, I found an email written on this night about this. Uh, about but the I will practice? Save it. I will save it for next week, but I also found something else in that uh, email, and I was talking about my job at the at the time which was working at the NYU School of Medicine and I at that huh. point I was a temp and I was feeling like I wasn't being paid enough and uh, I was about to ask for my first raise first time I directly asked for a raise and I was I think I was making $16 an hour at that point uh which you know for a temp job when in 2003 wasn't that bad 
but I was going to, you know what? I think I might have started at 12 and then asked to get to 16. That's probably what I did. Uh, but uh, I was able to uh, ask for raises from cool. my boss there. And I was like, that was like the most adult thing I've ever done. But I also was, uh, I, I didn't have any food. So it was living in, in that's a decent amount of money. But back in New York City, I was literally living on, uh, I would buy a couple pounds of pasta and a stick of butter and salt. And that is all I could literally eat for the week. So, you know, I was, uh, I was hanging on by a thread. But I, happily, because of the uh, kick-ass boss I had there, was able to get a raise and be able to feed myself and eventually cut the temp agency out of the equation. All right. Well, I think we should. We have some good cat, hot cat content right now. Because uh, Charlie is uh, is on his window here and is an endless battle right now that he wants to go out and it's freezing. And I don't want to do the podcast like with my teeth chattering. But he's now just banging his his paw against the window over and over again. You can probably hear it. That's our, So my one cat, Keith, has <clears throat> a, a double cat contact for you this week. Yeah. One, our little cat, Tuxie, has learned to open cabinets like a human being. Oh. He uses the handle and he pulls it open. I had to go and purchase, my wife and I do not have children, I had to go mm -hmm. and purchase child locks to child yep. lock the cabinets because the cat is, uh, he likes to uh, gorge. Also, oh, he knows where the food is too. Yeah, he opens the food, goes in there, lays in there, and then just eats at whim. So he doesn't <laughs> have to get up from an app to eat. So I locked oh, it. Amazing. Also, uh, speaking of direct opposites, I also was in sheer poverty back in 2003, and this this time in my life I'm not. And I just recently purchased an OLED television to move up Ooh. technology, and the the cats uh, don't know how to handle it because the resolution and deep blacks present a picture so realistic that the cats are trying to jump into the screen, to which I tell them, no, no, I will kill you before mm -hmm. I let you destroy my new television. Well, you mounted it up pretty high, so that's... Yeah, but that's, they're cats. That's good. But the, uh, well, the arms race, the technological arms race continues. Uh, the, I, I had the lead for about six months, and now I'm behind again. <laughs> All right, well... <laughs> the technological arms race. <laughs> oh, that, that gonna... gave me a giggle. That gave me a giggle. I mean, well, come on. Like, like it, it's not. It's just the size race. All this time, we've had the same exact television. You just had 10 extra inches on me. Obviously. So mm. When has that not been true? Well, every, in every other case. <laughs> it's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts <laughs> This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, folks, here we are. May 5th, 2003. We're listening to... Get busy! Sean Paul. I don't know if I've... I'm not familiar with this one, but here we are. It's a bop. I like it. The... <coughs> excuse me. The uh, cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about... <coughs> excuse me, I'm done. You all right, buddy? Crowded CBU waits for vote on upgrades. Now, CBU was sort of the sister high school to my high school. Which, uh, at my age and a couple years after, there was a huge population bubble with the kids. So when I was there, 
Uh, we were super overcrowded in the classrooms and all the schools had to build additions and hire more teachers. And I had like 35 kids in my third grade class. It was craziness. Uh, so they were all trying to pass these budget resolutions to get it be bigger. Now it's quite the opposite where there's, there's hardly any kids there. So now all of the, uh, big stuff they put in for my generation is, is, uh, sitting dormant, but that's what was happening. The top movie was X2, which I read the first time, which took an $85 million, which uh, beat out Star Wars Episode 2. Which uh, but in my head, I didn't realize that was the X-Men movie. I thought it was Triple X 2, the Vin Diesel franchise. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that took in $85 million? That beat Star Wars? That's crazy. That makes no sense. But now that I realize that it's the uh, the X-Men, that makes sense. That was the best of the uh, the first trilogy of X-Men movies, I think. Um, so uh, there it is. I think I saw that one in theaters, and I enjoyed it. You want to know what else I enjoy? A little segment that everybody hates except for me called... It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time for sports. The Philadelphia Hockey Flyers dropped a second round series to the... Not to the Flyers. <laughs> Four games to two. I think it was Ottawa finishing uh, with a five to one loss in Philly. The aging Flyers were led by Jeremy Roenick, Mark Recchi, Keith Primo, with Vermonter John Leclerc only playing 35 games due to injuries. That didn't go well, but no. uh, neither did the Flyers' uh, season. It was that was a tough time because they were they were starting to age out a little bit, uh, and. Uh, even even Johnny LeClaire, the Vermont player that we are big fans of, was uh, starting to slow down a little bit in the knees. But you know what it's time for? I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Okay, well, here we are. Season 7, episode 21. And uh, we got some writers and we got a director. Our director is Jeannot Soir, a long-term director on The Practice. But this episode was written by three different writers, including, of course, David E. Kelly, but also Bill Shea, who we have not seen on, had not been credited uh, on the show yet. He, would, he also wrote on Family Law, Shark, Bull, and Franklin and Bash. And producer Pamela J. Wisne, W-I-S-N-E, could be wine with a silent S, but I'm going to go with Wisne. Uh, this is her only writing credit. However, she was a producer on 132 episodes of wow. The Practice, which leaves us with only one important thing to do. I found it! What is that supposed to be? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? <coughs> I'm dying. You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Hmm. Then what would have happened? Keith, got an idea here. Hmm. I've been giving the show a lot of benefit of the doubt every time, but this time, forget it. No benefit of the doubt. Ooh. I think they're gonna they're gonna have the Lindsay character jump the shark this time. Baby love. Okay. Very plain and simple prediction. Bobby and Lindsay, they're clearly splitting up. Bobby's got feelings mm -hmm. for this other lady. 
he's hooking up with her. They've mm-hmm. been having Lindsay go slightly nuts, slightly nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They could have a mutual parting, right? They could just be decide to co-parent, but no, 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 no. Lindsay Dole mm. is going to kidnap Bobby Jr. Whoa. And this episode, this the next two episodes are a season finale to be continued join up of Bobby, the heroic search for Bobby Jr. and Lindsay, the evil mother who kidnapped him and fled. Whoa. That is both uh, entertaining and in keeping with how they've treated the character so far. So why wouldn't that happen? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not as ridiculous as it sounds. Uh, I mean, you know, look, she's uh, she's she's had a, a journey, let's say. All right. Well, uh, folks, is Mike right? It's time to find out by swipping, swipping, switching over to your podcasting service of choice. And listening to us, listen to the episode. We'll be back here on the YouTubes for the oopsies. The practice season seven, episode 21. Baby love. My baby love. When you say you have feelings for her. Well, I mean, I banged her. Yeah. Feeling in the, you know, penile sense. In love with her? No. Not at all. I'm just in her. I might see her again. And I didn't want you to hear it at the office. I thought you'd come. a very tight black shirt. From me. Have you two slept together? All of a sudden, he's the pillar of honesty. Mm. So much integrity. Unbelievable. Look, I don't think it's a good idea for us to talk about. What are we talking about then? Good question, Lindsay. Whatever our future will be, if we stop communicating. Can I stop you for a second? You and I have no future. I I appreciate you taking me off the hook here. I I was beginning to feel like the bad guy, but oh, you're about to be the bad guy. I can pursue what I want with a much lighter heart. And what I want is a divorce. You might think I'm acting out of hurt pride but this isn't that I'm not speaking from wound but rather from a reflective and reasoned clarity if you've never believed anything I've told you please believe this believe this I do not wish to live my life with you GTF not now not a month from now not ever thank you Lindsay Dole well, I mean, that's not the news you want, but at least it's straightforward and clear-headed. So, Lindsay, I am sensing a little ambiguity in what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so ambiguity what you're saying body. is we just need to work it out a little bit more. So what you're saying is I can bang. That's right, should... but, but you're going to be cool with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, all right, we can stay married, right? Because like, yeah, yeah. BJ? You know. No, 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 Bobby I mean, Jr. I didn't mean to give me a oh, DJ, oh, oh, but oh, oh, but oh. since we're on the topic, Linz, hey, hey. I was in no, characterized Bobby there, not me. Keith, come on. No, oh, I see, I see. I'm happy no, to be married. I, I, I actually, you know, like the fact that I don't know, like, it's something very adult the, about the that. the pack, the 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 gulf of time between. I actually like 
Beep, 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 beep. That's the word. Where'd you get this word? From Bobby. He called in and said if the papers Oh, thank got- God. Lindsay came to work, or uh, Lucy came to work in a camo tank top. Well, that's what I'm wearing. Oh, wait, no, it's a video podcast. You know now. They're divorcing? That's the oh, word. Oh, Keith, Keith, Keith. Sorry, I know we're just starting, but this is my other favorite thing to do. I know I've talked many times about watching background characters work. Mm-hmm. My other favorite thing to look for is at the top of scenes, and this is a great... Ep- a, <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> a great uh, example. So anybody who's uh, not watching, go and get a chance to check out season seven, episode 21, very, right at the top after the credits. You can see that in the edit, they forgot, because what usually happens is they'll say speed, they'll say action, the, the actors will start to begin their, what we call business, and then they will edit in or fade in to action already in progress. But on occasion, in a rushed edit, what will happen is they'll start the edit, the cut from at the, on the word action. So here at the beginning of the scene, you can actually see Cameron, who is ostensibly coming from an office somewhere or in motion, but you can see her standing still and then beginning to walk and talk as if the scene had started. So that's not on the actress there. That's not on the director. That's just on a bad edit. Yep, 100%. Totally this saw word. the scene start. Lights are up. He called in and said, if the papers got delivered, I can accept. They just separated. How? It's probably that slut's idea. Talking about me, Rebecca? You? No. I was talking about... Bumbling, 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 a Rebecca. A different slut. <laughs> Great line for Lucy. Jimmy, I have some depositions scheduled today on a negligence claim that... Uh, I'm not really up to doing them. If I get you up to speed, could you cover for me? We work in completely sure. different offices, but sure. I'll get the file. Yeah, you know, lawyer, lawyer. But they bring she is help nine months lawyers. pregnant. Her due date isn't until June 5th. This will be a three-day trial. And what happens if she goes into labor the first day? Is there a reason you don't want to wait a month, Mr. Young? Of course there's a reason. He wants the jury to see a pregnant mother-to-be instead of a murderer. He's probably All right, we know that voice. All right, let's do a whole mess of introductions here. Of course you heard Holland Taylor as Judge Kittleson. Uh, back here, back to back in the case. She clearly had a week free and they filmed her into two episodes. Uh, and of course you're hearing the lawyer's voice and that's Stephen Culp as ADA Emmanuel Kupchik. But, uh, you know, we've seen him before. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twice the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. At first you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone dimmer, but you don't fool me. We don't hear the judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice tonight. He was last uh, in Man and Superman playing the uh, hospital attorney. And frankly, like, he's he's such a good actor, and he plays an asshole so well. Like, he should have been hired as the uh, as another ADA, as an adversary. Um, and the uh, defendant in this case, which is a murder trial that Eugene is helming, who is super prego, is played by Brenda James, who you would know from Slither, 
underrated fun uh, sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. Stargate Atlantis, The Dead Zone, and uh, she retired in 2008. Yeah, I love that Holland Taylor is like, hey, I got a new hairdo, and it's on fucking point, so I'd like to be in the episode. ...to give birth during the closings. Yes, thank you for that. Since I addressed my question to Mr. Young, maybe we could let him answer. For the record, I advise my client to postpone. She doesn't want to. She has a right to a speedy trial, and that's what she wants. Mrs. Nielsen, why? I want to put this trial behind me, Your Honor. When I have my baby, I want everything else over. What about the stress? This is not traffic court. You are being charged with first-degree murder. Your own doctor is saying, let's wait. Well, I'm of sound mind, so any medical decision would be mine. And it's your choice to go forward now. Yes, Your Honor. I want this ordeal over with. Okay, then. Well, she got the best, baby. You got Eugene and Jamie Stringer? I like it. Jimmy Berluti? Claire. He isn't even in this firm. Please don't start with me now. I'm just saying. You're upset that I didn't let you run with it. I understand. I'd like to know why. You're too green, okay? The case could turn on these depositions, and it could be malpractice for me to vest it with an attorney just out of law school. And if that hurts, you're like, well, maybe 15? Hurt happens. It's actually low-key a really well-written arc, finally, for something. Because if you recall, way back in the day, Lindsay was really kind of curt with Jimmy and when he was green. But now enough time has passed, and she has enough faith and trust in Jimmy that she trusts him with this. I like it. I like that move. And there's a clear parallel between Tyler's Jimmy, character and Lindsay at the beginning of the series. I'll be at Nancy Decker's office. Nancy Decker, the divorce lawyer? Yes. Miss Stoll. I'm sorry, I can't talk now. Don't we have a meeting? I'll be handling it. Hi, Virginia. How are you today? Don't we have depositions? Yes, I'll be doing them. You? What happened to Lindsay? Miss Carter, everything's in good hands. You need not worry. We also have Jimmy Berluti, another attorney, joining us for the deposition, so we are in excellent shape. Her daughter is in a wheelchair. The lady and the daughter in the wheelchair! All right, so the mother is played by Lisa Renee Pitts, who you would know from Stray Out of Compton, her and the 2020 version of The Stand. And the little girl is played by Chelsea Tavares, who you would know from many things, including All-American, Animal Kingdom, Tycoon, Unfabulous, and Just Jordan. And now we cross-cut to a dead man, quite bloody. He'd been murdered. At the time I arrived, the uniform officers hey, already had the defendant been in custody. There. Could you tell the jury your observations of the scene, detective? There was blood spattered everywhere. The he ceiling, might have been the walls, spent more time on the, the stand than any other the person. The spatter pattern suggests in the show's history. The victim was shot at point blank range six times. Several of those shots were fired after the victim was on the ground, helpless. Did you have an opportunity to speak with a defendant, Carrie Nielsen? Yes. She confessed to the shooting as she had on the 911 tape. And what was her demeanor as she confessed this crime to you? Calm, detached, without remorse. This was not a woman in distress. Did she say why she shot her husband? 
She said he was physically abusive and she was concerned for the health of her unborn child. In fact, she said she was afraid her husband would kill the child. Objection to the word child. At the time of the shooting, this was a two-month fetus, not I a child. I asked the witness what the defendant said. The word she used was child. Was it not, detective? Yes. The objection is overruled. The six shots. They were fired from an automatic in rapid succession. Isn't that... Shots. Oh. God, your tab just crashed. Well, we can that's help. never happened. Just restore this tab to reload the page. Huh. Well, guys. Like my heart. Uh, we need a refresh. Oh. Well, I can't... That, that is the first time Hulu itself has crashed while we were uh, doing this. We broke Hulu, guys. The one person... One stream one of the distress. practice happening right now. Did she say why she shot her husband? She said he was physically abusive and she was concerned for the health of her I unborn child. I didn't get a refresh child. anyway. In fact, she said she was afraid her husband would kill the child. Objection to the word child. At the time of the shooting, this was a two-month fetus, not I a asked child. the witness what the defendant said. The word she used was child. Was it not, detective? Yes. The objection is overruled. The six shots. They were fired from an automatic in rapid succession. Isn't that shots. right? They appear to have been, yes. Within two to three seconds? Probably. And detective, have you ever encountered a situation in which a person under attack keeps shooting even after the attack is over? Yes. So it's possible my client fired off the first shot or two in defense of her unborn child and just kept squeezing the trigger while still in shock. That's possible, isn't it, detective? Anything's possible, counsel. Anything's possible. If when you're time killing you get confused, your husband. You just tell me, okay, Virginia. Okay. And you understand I represent Copyright White Oaks, Flaherty. the apartment complex where you live, right? People yes. are shooting. Did your lawyers tell you I'd be against you? Abusive husbands yeah. up in the well, air. All right. I'll try not to be a big meanie. Really, I just want to find out what happened. Now, this happened at a party, right? Yes. We were having a birthday party. Your birthday? Yeah. How old? Ten. Ten? Wow. That's a big one. I, hate I bet you were really right. excited. I know that Condescending. Well, folks, that is Don Sparks, who, uh, guess what? We last saw him as Attorney Cavern in Till Death Do Us Part. I'm going to give pick a different bumper because we've already just heard it. Let the eagle soar. My favorite bumper of season seven. Like she's never so before from, from rocky, rocky coast, coast to golden well, shore, let, let the mighty, mighty soar. Yeah. Know how old I am? A hundred. <laughs> <laughs> She's ten, not five. Hello. Some of the guests said you were jumping on the balcony. Is that right? It yes. was your fault. And were you also jumping you against the rail, whore. Virginia? It just broke. You must have been so scared. I was. Do you remember where your mom was when you fell? I think in the kitchen. It's your mom's fault, you whore. First of all, I'm not a divorce lawyer, Oof. Bobby. That's a whole different breed That's of bug. That's the edit again, Keith. And second, even Cameron's if I been were, the victim I'm both a little times. too close. It's not going she to be complicated been. or even contested. I just Weird. want to get it done. 
Speaking professionally, I don't think that's a sound approach. And speaking personally, I'm offended by it. You have a son. You both have a duty to explore reconciliation. How could you possibly prioritize expediency? I'm not asking you to interfere with my life, Eleanor. So I am in your life, Bobby. So is Rebecca. So is everybody else in this office. Whether you want us in is beside the point. I don't. Well, we are. And as your friend, as a parent myself, I am telling you, go get your hands dirty in therapy before... It's her. I have a bone to pick with this. Yeah, please. Pick away. I would say that this is a better arc for Jimmy, maybe, because Cameron, though they are friends, I think if she was abreast on the situation, I'm sorry, Eleanor, if she was abreast on the situation, she would she would probably not advise that. It does sound like they've, maybe they haven't explored therapy, but it feels pretty accurate that they are split. Plus, he's effing another woman. But that aside, all the details aside, Eleanor's whole arc, when she decided to have a baby without a husband, and and, right. and everybody was uh, clutching their pearls about the 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 moral righteousness right. of that, she all she was asking was like, mind your effing business, as my friends. Right. And now right. it's she's behaving the complete same way that she was opposed to. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That is completely true and completely inconsistent and weird and uncomfortable and to have rebecca standing right next to her like this and coming at bobby it, it doesn't feel right yeah. it's a it's okay. a jimmy beat Lindsay's mind be is made up she's it. immovable given that the best way to spare my son is to get it done correct in, is there going to be a custody opinion. issue and you're no. she's taking your friends i get him weekends your friend's job is to buy you a beer and let you like cry, not There's no <clears throat> tell them what to do. There's got to be a rule against it being simple. No way, man! You get simple divorce for one hundred twenty-six dollars. I've seen the billboards. <laughs> I can't believe you have a murder trial. Me neither. Is there a reason you're on this? No, no, I know you're good. I like still, the two greenhorns. A year out, out of law school. I think yeah. Eugene wanted a woman on board since there are implied Roe v. Wade issues running through this. Roe v. Wade? The fetus wasn't viable at the time of the shooting. We're arguing defense of others. So, is that a problem for you? I mean, being a pro choice woman? Not really. Plus, plus what? I love working with Eugene. He's so far and away the best lawyer in this firm. I'm afraid of him. I said hi once and he kind of mm, grunted. <laughs> Do you think it'd be incredibly inappropriate if I asked him out? Yes. What? Not necessarily, well, but it would definitely fail the Bechtel test. Out. He's too principled, which means if we were to ever date, I'd have to make the move. Claire. We're set? I'm ready. You prep this woman, right? Oh, uh, she's ready. It went so she's well ready. for Bobby and Let's Lindsay. Go. Yeah, right. It isn't really true, though, is it? Although I can see Jamie what? and. That it's Lindsay's doing. And you uh, orchestrated it, don't you think? I didn't orchestrate her falling out of love with me. Fair enough. 
Wives do that with husbands all the time. But they don't leave when there are children involved. Terry Polo was back. And I pushed her. You kissed me, you slept with me. One could argue that you traded on her self-respect and manipulated things. Are you my therapist now? No, I'm the mistress. Or maybe I'm just the device that helps you end your marriage. Okay, I'm being the better podcast. Right, I'm just double-checking that they did their research because, as we know, I can speak Pennsylvania as a no-fault state. Well, unfortunately, a brother went through a divorce. Uh, no-fault means it doesn't matter who did what. The calculations of alimony and all that stuff is just math. You know what I mean? Right, right. Whereas, interestingly, Massachusetts is both a fault and a no-fault state. So you can do a nice, quick, and easy divorce as a no fault and they just run the numbers and tell you who owes what and then custody is a separate issue however it can be filed as fault and that can drastically alter the financial responsibilities based mm. on what a court finds who was at fault for the divorce so this is, there are some definite financial implications for Bobby it sounds like they've already worked out custody so this is a fiscal issue in their divorce right I guess yeah which is interesting. Let's postpone. No. Carrie, you're in pain. The baby could be in distress. Is he? I don't know, Carrie, but why take the risk? Well, she's got a doctor on call. I don't want to give birth in custody. They'll just take him away from me. I want the trial over. I want to have him on the outside. Carrie, we could lose. In which case, you'll probably get more visitation in jail than you could in prison. Although. You don't usually lose, Eugene. These are just contractions, like you said. That's true. You know, keep the whole podcast. I want to keep going. Tallying a score. I want to have my baby. Everybody's record. In a real hospital. Oh, totally. Not in a jail. Jorge. Yeah, Jorge, go back into my 160 has a window, episodes. So I could see her. <laughs> I understand, but my question was: Do you think it was safe for her to play on the second-story balcony? I assume the balcony was safe. It never previously struck you as unsafe, did it? No. And you never called the White Oaks management company about the railing outside your apartment, did you? No. How many times a day would you say you looked at that railing? I don't have time to sit around and look at a railing. I know, but how many times a day, on average, do you think you see it? A dozen? Two dozen? Maybe ten, if you count the times I see it from inside the kitchen. And how long did you live in this apartment before the accident? About four years. Okay. 365 times 4 makes 1,460 days. If you look and you're not 10 times to be a day on for 4 escapes. years, if it collapsed, assuming my I'd math still is sue. correct, you looked at that railing oh, yeah. roughly 14,600 times before the accident, and not once did you notice anything was wrong with it. Isn't that right? What the hell was all that about? 4 times 365 times 10, what's that got to do with anything? Here's our problem. The defendant isn't really negligent for not fixing the railing if they had no way of knowing it was broken. What are you talking about? They have an ongoing duty to inspect and repair. Yes, and the file is full of maintenance reports that say they did exactly that. Not one report says the railing was loose or broken. And now they've got your testimony that you've never noticed anything wrong either. But the way Virginia fell, I mean, the railing had to be broken. We have to be able to prove that. It's their building, for God's sake. Naomi, look. 
This is going to be a very tough case to win. My suggestion would be, let me see if I can get something. By something, you mean how much? If we can get, say, 50,000, we should think about it. My daughter will be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. For that, we're supposed to accept $50,000? The damages to your daughter are obviously immeasurable. Unfortunately, I don't know if we can prove what we need to prove. I this feels like a beat this. we've done before, right? But that was with, wasn't that with, My like, daughter we went up against like big. Walk. Oh, a bunch of times. She can't walk. Person in a wheelchair, so Jimmy wants yeah. to take less. Well, I mean, or to whoever. be fair, yeah. all they fought cases lot. like that come down to dramatically after the she same got elements. By fought, you mean a lot of screaming. But it got physical, too. I could hear it right through the walls. And Mr. Gore, you live in the apartment next to Mrs. Nielsen and the victim? Correct. And Mr. Gore, were you able to hear the substance of their arguments? Typically, no, because I really didn't care to. I turned my television up. But I did specifically hear him screaming that he didn't want her to have it. Presumably, the baby. I also specifically ben. heard her on more than one occasion. Mike is thirsty. He's listening. I just wanted to play a different bumper to introduce uh, our new friend here. Don Norwood is playing the witness here. You'd know him from Hightown, Mindhunter, which I actually really enjoyed on Netflix. Dead Wax, The Sinner, and Hell on Wheels. I'm bummed that it doesn't seem like we're going to get a season three of Mindhunter. Uh, You know what's interesting is... You never think about, I was just watching uh, real quick, uh, more TV. Uh, I had never heard of this show, Search Party, which is apparently everybody's favorite, and it's just released its fifth and final season. Guys, Search Party is amazing. You can find it on HBO or I think TBS on demand. Anyway, it's awesome. But a a plot point, and that show is so batshit that this is not a spoiler, but a plot point that you see there and you're seeing here, which you never really think about as someone who's lived in an apartment for t- go on 25 years of my life now. You know, you you get so used to being able to hear either quietly, loudly, or somewhere in between your neighbors above you or below you or side to you. You never think that, because uh, you do your best to just try to ignore it or or drown it out with white noise. That actually, right. any of the information that you parse from that could be called you could be called as a witness in a trial because of information yeah. you hear secondhand through the wall, which is nuts. Sure, yeah. Screaming at him that he was hurting her. Did you ever do anything yourself? I intervened when I thought he was hurting her. When he wasn't around, I tried another form of intervention, which was trying to persuade her to leave the man. Did you ever call the police? I called them the night I heard the shots. And I called them once before, when I thought he was physically attacking her. According to your statement to the police, you either intervened or called the police every time you heard sounds of physical abuse or intense screaming. Was that your statement? Yes, it was. And it's true. Yes, it is. Well, on the night of Mr. Nielsen's death, you neither intervened. You know, Keith, I never talked about it on the podcast before. Maybe I have. Maybe I have. But uh, one time I lived with uh, a woman who uh, was a roommate. We were not romantically involved. That should be uh, stated because one evening I thought she was being assaulted 
and I burst up in her room, and uh, she was not being assaulted. Nor called mm. the police prior yep. to the shooting. Is that correct? Yep. There you yes. go. So one could conclude then that there were no sounds of fighting before the gun was fired. I don't know. Well, you didn't hear them. I can't say that I did, but I was in shock myself. It's possible I just don't remember. Eleanor, hi. Are you kidding me? Hey. Eleanor's gonna go talk to her now? Man, she's really fighting this fight. She feels way more involved than she should Looks like somebody's leaving. Be. Lindsay, this is none of my business. Correct. You're right. Thank you. Now, you now out. go home. All right, look. Cards on the table? Can you tell Keith and I really don't like people busting up in our business? Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Which and is weird for Bobby. people who put their business on the internet and every week for two I hours. I an emotional investment in this man. Uh, to be fair, we talk about 45 minutes afterwards about what we should cut out. <laughs> I think you're being far, far too draconian here. You know, side note, I do feel like we've worked through our neuroses a little bit because in the beginning of the podcast, we used to have that conversation much more often than we do now. I also think or maybe we've just learned to self-censoring. Yeah. Right, exactly. You have a son. And as angry as you may be with Bobby, and I don't blame you, by the way, you have to realize that the hatred you feel comes from betrayal and that the foundation of betrayal is love. Well, some might say, uh-oh. There is no good what was reason that sound? to rush this. Uh, it was me plugging my pass. thing back in. Okay. Give your emotions. Some might say that that hatred you feel, Lindsay, is going to uh, negatively impact your son if you stick around. And that hatred becomes resentment and hatred. And then that's what your son uh, recognizes and models in relationships. Some might yeah. say that. Some might say Some that, Time yeah. to settle. Lindsay. You have a son. Can you sit for a second? My projection's ridiculous. Sometimes it sounds like I'm so pro-divorce. I'm just pro my parents should have gotten divorced. <laughs> uh-huh. Last week I sat in a church grieving for a serial killer. A sick man who kills innocent people. I mourned his loss, Eleanor. Cool. But the thing that struck me sitting in that church was that I was mourning. I was feeling. It was something I haven't done for a long, long time. And you said, let my emotions settle. My problem is, I've had no emotions. I've been going dead with Bobby. With every day, I grow a little more dead. And that's where my son is becoming most victimized. Right. His that mother is, is becoming emotionally deadened. I wish I would feel hatred or anger towards Bobby. But I feel neither. I don't love him. I don't hate him. That recognition that apathy I'm is, not sure if is I really destructive like him. is really great. But what I am sure of is that for me to have any chance of resuming some emotional life, I have to get away from him. And that's See, what I'm I, doing. 
I like all of that. It's just weird that Cameron's on the other side of this. I think, honestly, it came down to, oh, we kind of forgot that Cameron's on the show. We need to give her an arc before the end of the season. So they shoehorned it being her as opposed to Jimmy as opposed to whomever. It's almost as if her character was standing still, Keith, until they said action. Exactly. She was like an NPC, mm -hmm. just like waiting around, waiting for the cue. It's great to finally have the, the not... point they've been trying to make about this arc for so long. I, I love that we're finally articulating it clearly and compassionately and emotionally intelligently through Lindsay, of all people. Right. So convinced we should call her. Carrie? How can we not? Well, the neighbor's testimony went so well, Carrie could just throw that all away. But our whole case turns on jury sympathy. They have to get to know her. Maybe so. Eugene, can we talk for a second about last week when I took the stand? What's there to talk about? Look, I know you weren't trying to do me any favors, but why? Oh, wait! Keith, I put it out of my mind that she's she wants to ask Eugene out. I forgot completely that he slut-shamed her <laughs> oh, yeah, about a like week ago. Yeah, and in terms, if you're watching this on Hulu, it's maybe 20 minutes of actual time apart. That's crazy. Now, don't get me wrong, he didn't do it on the stand, but that's that's like a small favor in comparison to the actual... Right, well, you're like, oh, look, now she, I want to make out how with she this feel. guy. She feel how she feel. Fair enough. Is there a reason you feel a need to apologize if somebody salutes your compassion? I don't think I do that. Why do you grunt? I beg your pardon? Well, do you intimidate people by design? Look, we have a case to work on here, Jamie. So is there a reason for all these questions? I'm just taking a personal interest in you, that's all. Look, I know you wouldn't go out with me in a million years, but... I was wondering, after this trial, could we maybe set our clock ahead a million years and go have dinner? Oh my God, that's so vulnerable and cute on her. I mean, as a like as I a character and an actress. I think you just want her to ask okay. you out. No, Keith, I can't respect someone's acting. Can Jesus. we debate the merit of the idea over dinner? Let's just get it is a very deftly performed scene for sure. Fine. You know, I want to give her a lot of credit because when they wrote the Jamie character in, it could have gone, it, it could have been very stock and very, you know, very just like, oh, we need another one. And you and I said that on air. But uh, every turn, I feel like the writing staff and the actress have found ways to differentiate the character and to find an emotional strength within her which, that I really have enjoyed. Well, I, I think they. They wrote a stock character, but then hired a non-stock actress to do it. Like, you know, Jessica Capshaw is just a better actress than most TV actresses out there. And better than me who just fucking spilled coffee all over my shit. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit play uh, and turn the volume up and mute myself. Real quick so I can go. 
Mike is running around and spilled coffee on his shit. It's expensive. His shit's expensive. He's got a lot of tech. Oh, no. Even what more than done? me. He's winning the arms race, but it's cuff covered in coffee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fine. I've scheduled a settlement conference for 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. As I said, I'd be thrilled to get 50 under this fact pattern. Okay. May I ask, who was handling this case? You or Lindsay? Well, I was pushing it uphill. Um, Lindsay was planning to take the depots. Why? Can I be honest? Sure. I think a disservice was done to these people. Revving the mother up, making her think there'd be some big score. Her daughter is in a wheelchair. We hardly needed to rev her up. She was obviously led to believe there's some pot of gold here. Well, there should be. A girl is disabled. Yes, the damages are there. That doesn't mean liability is. Whose side are you on? Claire, I know you don't want to hear this. But public housing tenants make lousy plaintiffs. For whatever reason, juries don't like them. On top of that, you've for, got a defendant for knee the deep in hud racism just trying to keep the place economic injustice. There's no pot of gold, and you did a big disservice to the client to suggest otherwise. I know you're young and enthusiastic, but I think you need to deal with your zeal. Sometimes it can cause harm. The meeting's at nine o'clock. I mean, I see the point that he's making there. We've I mean, been married it's, it's just under four to years. Set Happily, till about two years ago, he was having problems with his partners. He started drinking more. He started h hitting me. He started hitting you. Over what period of time? Over a period of about six months. Then I got pregnant, and he, he promised to stop drinking. Did he? For yeah, a while. Yeah, I don't think Jimmy was a dick about it, you know. Things kept getting worse at work. Yeah. I couldn't have been easy to be around in the first trimester of my first pregnancy. Can you tell us what happened that night? He came home. He'd been drinking. And he said, he said he didn't want me. And he didn't want the baby. That he was suffocating, that I'd ruined everything. Did you argue? Not really. I began to respond when he, he just shoved me, and then he punched me. What did you do? I did what I always did. I took it. Tried not to make him any more angry. How did he react to that? He said something about getting it out of me. And then he punched me, and I fell to the ground. Then what? I pulled the gun out of the cabinet where we kept it. And I told him to stand back, that I wouldn't let him hurt our baby. 
And then he lunged at me. Carrie, what did you do next? I shot him. It was as if my, my fingers, they just convulsed on the trigger like, like it, it wasn't me shooting. You say your husband beat you over a six-month period. Now, you never called the police any of those times. I'm seeing a therapist about that now. She says it's called battered women's syndrome. I see. Did you ever go to the hospital? No. So you were never really injured? Oh, I had bruises. I was just too ashamed to... You never went to a shelter either? No. With all these places you could go to for help. With knowing something's there and being able to do something about it are two different... But you did do something about it, didn't you, Carrie? You decided to put six bullets into your husband rather than... Objection! Sustained. Does the name Robert Sheehan mean anything to you? He's a lawyer. He's a divorce lawyer. You consulted only one month before you killed your husband. Well, I met with him once, but I didn't follow through on it. Because he told you that since most of your husband's money was held in trusts, you would get a lot more with him dead than if you divorced him. Objection! Sustained! Your husband have life insurance? Yes. It's a $500,000 policy with the money going to you. You're aware of that, aren't you? I'm aware of it. You decided to trade in your alcoholic husband for half a million dollars, didn't you, Mrs. Nielsen? I decided I to save the life of my baby, Mr. Kupchak. Oh, you were saving your murder. baby? Even if yes. it's justifiable. Not your own life, but your baby. No, without another court case. Yes. Mrs. Nielsen, have you ever had an abortion? <clears throat> Objection! The defendant is clearly saying that a two-month fetus is a person. I'd like to cross-examine her on that. I'll allow it. Have you ever had an abortion? Wait, why is this Once relevant? Before I was married. If you remember, they try to get her on hypocrisy, but it doesn't. How old was the child? Doesn't make any sense. Seventeen weeks. Well, regardless, it's it's irrelevant because it's a separate issue. It's a separate issue. It's it's so it's she's not saying had I not been pregnant, I would have I wouldn't have defended myself. I mean. I think her, her well, the, but they're, they're specifically saying that the grounds that they are trying to be acquitted on is uh, defense of others, not self-defense. I'm not entirely sure why they chose that, as opposed to I guess because you can't argue both. You should be able to argue both because it does. It's the same thing either way. It's funny because you, I guess I guess strategically, right? The maybe they feel that saying I was protecting my baby is a better way to, for jurisprudence, right? To, 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 to solicit that, that sympathy. However, right, right. however, now they're introducing, he was an alcoholic, he was beating on her. I mean, I think that if you just, if you go self-defense, you can imply she was also protecting the baby rather than the flip. Right. You know what I mean? Well, right, right. It, it feels like a, feels like a heavier lift that might not be necessary. Right. But no, what it feels like is a heavier lift because it's a different storyline, right? Right. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. It's like our, our defense, day, our team is Many having to shoulder the burden of the writer's abortion, Eugene, I mean, especially after right. they get married. We need to draft a proposed set of jury instructions. Mr. Young, you called for me. I need for you to think, Mr. Gall. Think back. Are you sure you didn't hear anything before the shots? I'm not sure at all. He put those words into my mouth. I may very well have heard them fighting. 
I may need to put you back up there to say that. Okay. I'll let you know. It is not a good idea. We cannot rest our case on that kind of uncertainty. Well, I don't like Please. resting our case where we are right now. Look, do you want to put the neighbor up there to say what he may have heard? Jury instructions, Jamie. I need them on my desk tonight. Fine. 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 We're fighting for no reason. It just seems like I thought they were going to cut to them making out in the elevator. It is. But I read in the papers. Would have been very these crazy people who choose to smoke with millions of dollars from the tobacco companies. My daughter didn't choose to lean against a broken railing. And now she can't walk. I think one thing that they're betting on is that you can't afford to see this through trial. If you beat them in court, Miss Carter, it could take four or five years before you get anything. And that's just assuming you win, which isn't even likely. There's nothing else you can do. So here we are, once again. Are we going to run the same race? Generally, if we go by the practice plots, she should, despite the intervention of other attorneys on the team, encourage this lady to see it through. She sees it through. They win a big settlement. Right. Because the, the client says, you know what? I don't care. My daughter's worth more than that. I'll see it through whether we win or lose. That's the beat we've seen three to four times. So yeah. do we do it again? Or do we switch it up? She just said, is there anything more you can do? So this is a shot for us to... Do something ridiculous. Do something more. Ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, the truth is, you've got a sympathetic defendant providing housing with loans from HUD. Like Jimmy says, they get these loans just to... What? Oh, loophole baby. What? what do you mean, redo them? Redo them. They're imprecise. This whole case will come down to... Where are they imprecise? Three, four, five, six. We need to spell it out. It is. Not enough, Jamie. If that judge instructs that a fetus is not a child, we lose. Do you get that? Our whole theory is defense of others. If she instructs that there is no child, then there is no other. Stop talking to me like I'm three. I'm talking to you like you're a lawyer, and this work is not acceptable. Oh, you're full of crap. You're upset because I asked you to dinner and you can't handle it. Well, the offer is revoked. You can go eat a cheeseburger alone like the big bald curmudgeon you are. You don't talk to me like These that. These instructions are fine. The work is acceptable, so you can go off in no corner and grunt. Oh, now I get it. Get what? You asked me out for currency. Now when I come down on you for your work, you could claim I'm retaliating for personal reasons. Very clever. Oh, that is so cynical. I don't think so. I asked you out because I like you. And you can't take it. Well, I like you. I like you. Keith is out of absolutely nowhere, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> that, you know, it's a... Uh, I, I, I actually don't dislike it either. Oh, do you feel that melting there? cold, cold heart? <laughs> it's snowing outside, but there. it's nothing but warm and fuzzies in Keith's emotions. Did you sleep here? Uh, I guess I did. Claire's what in the historical laying the on Carter the floor. Case. I have a, uh, the, a nine o'clock settlement conference. It's ten past this nine. This is how we show. What? Hard work. It's been an overnight. I'm so sorry, traffic. We just started. Mr. Sloan is offering us the grand sum of $20,000. Look, our insurance company is tightening up on nuisance claims. Nuisance? Claire, that girl is disabled for life. 
This is hardly a nuisance claim. Come on, post-accident test showed a minimal fissure. It the was... railing broke. Because she jumped onto it. She weighs 70 pounds. Look, there's no negligence. And if we go to trial, you're looking at three years before the first witness is even sworn in. Now, I'm sure your client could use that 20,000. My suspicion is it would come in very handy right now. You have an obligation to take the offer to your client. Could you take this to your client? What is it? Boom. An amendment to our document production requests. We want your HUD financial records. I already got the loan application under the Freedom of Information Act. Your client made representations about upgrading and renovating White Oaks property. They got $4 million, in fact, which is interesting because, according to your own interrogatory responses, there have been no renovations since you received the HUD funding. You stated that there are currently no plans for remodeling. Jimmy's impressed. That might qualify your client for fraud, Mr. Sloan. I think you're reaching, counsel. I don't think so. You received money earmarked for repairs. Had you done those repairs, the faulty railing would have been discovered. If you've not done them, brings me back to fraud. You don't know what that money was spent on. Now, I don't think... This is my motion for a court-enforced audit. Then we'll know what the money was spent on, or not spent on. I certainly hope your client didn't take a low road, Mr. Let's talk about negligence and Jimmy, who had a big speech to her, but didn't do this kind of maybe like basic legwork once again that we, uh, we congratulate them for always because it's this big twist. They come in at the last minute, but it's not revelatory. Have they repaired the railings? Have they gotten money to repair the stuff? Like, this is called prep. Well, and also, like, why did she need to pull an all-nighter and, like, have... Why Why were there, like, 15 law books to discover there's no Google. this? there's no Google, Keith. You can't just Google it. Come on. Yeah, but th it's not going to be in a leather-bound book, period. <laughs> Check... Follow the money. Oh, it was in chapter four the whole time. Oh, there it There's was. There's still an opportunity to choose a high one. I would encourage you to encourage your client to reconsider. Not to avoid an audit. Not to avoid liability for fraud. But to compensate a 10-year-old girl who will never be a cheerleader. Who will never get to dance at her senior prom. Great scene. And who won't walk down the aisle at her own wedding. She won't walk through many of life's moments because I suspect your client got greedy. I would encourage you to talk to your client because it's the right thing to do. This was murder. A woman in a lousy marriage fires six shots, point blank. Bang, 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 bang. That's not defense. No evidence of any shouting or fighting preceding the shooting. It just so happens the defendant visited a divorce attorney one month before. She explored getting out of this marriage one way, she chose another. And as for this theory, she was defending the life of her unborn child. This fetus was eight weeks old. She previously aborted a 17-week fetus, so let's not pretend that she considered it a person. And even if she did, the law doesn't. A non-viable fetus is not a person. That's what the Supreme Court has said. Now, I'm she Wilford wants to say, Brimley, hey, and I've got diabetes. As far as she's concerned, 
It's a human being. Well, that is exactly the rationale employed by people who shoot doctors at abortion clinics. They're just protecting the lives of the unborn. Well, we don't let those murderers get away with it, and we can't let this one. And finally... That's a weak close. Even should you choose to ignore the law, defy the Supreme Court, and find this fetus to be a person, thereby affording Mrs. Nielsen her novel defense, her use of force has to be reasonable. Which is, what, the, this is what this is really excessive. about. If she feared for her life or the unarmed. baby's life or whatever, One shot different. was arguably excessive. She fired six, five after he lay on the floor. Point is, don't you beat your wife because he thinks it's okay to he was very much her to person. kill you if you do. This was a human being shot six times point blank. She fired. Keep, we haven't run it in months. We always leave this our, one of our favorite bumpers out. Let's do it. Oh, oh, okay. All right, hold on. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. She fired the one shot and impulsively kept squeezing. In her own testimony, she said her fingers convulsed on the trigger. That testimony was not refuted. As for her consulting with a divorce lawyer, that didn't just so happen. Of course she thought about divorce. The man was beating her, punching her in the stomach. She was pregnant. And talk to any pregnant woman. They don't point to their stomach and say the thing or the fetus. They call it the baby. So don't tell me that for any woman who's been pregnant that there isn't a life in play. This country spends millions of dollars educating people on the importance of prenatal care because we recognize that life. Because parenting starts with pregnancy. Because the essence of parenting is protecting the child, and that starts in the womb. She didn't have to consult with the Supreme Court to know that she had a child living inside her. Carrie Nielsen was protecting her child. And in case you didn't know, if the victim had killed that child with one of his punches, the state legally could and would have charged him with murder. See, we prosecute those who kill non-viable fetuses unless it's by illegal abortion. So it's disingenuous for the state to be saying to you, hey, there is no life. There was a life. And my client did what she had to to save it. But okay. also, like herself, of right? She had a she had a right to protect herself. Mm -hmm. Hey, Keith. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I'm about to ask this question. Not only ask it, but ask it on this podcast in real mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got. I got Jamie. I got Eugene. What is in the other case? Who just she just did all that great work? What is that character's name? Ah, you know, you you set that up uh, as if you were going to ask to go poop live on air. 
It's like, we haven't ever asked this on air. I can't believe I'm going to say it on air, but I have to poop. I can't believe I haven't asked that on air. Um, I, I can't believe you haven't either. It's what Claire is her Wyatt. Name? Claire. Claire Wyatt. The jury, I'm now going to give you a set of instructions before I send you back to deliberate. The most important one I'm going to say first and last because you really need to heed it. For the purpose of this trial, you are to consider the fetus a human being. That means the defendant is entitled to use force to defend it. That was good, right? That's the exact instruction we wanted. But they still have to find the force was reasonable, and six shots is six shots. They also might not be convinced on your motive. Well, how long before? Oh! You okay? I was contracting all through the closings. Yeah. I could be in labor. Well, let's get you to a hospital then. Don't I have to be here? No, not for the reading of the verdict. Carrie, why take the risk? Okay. God? They're going to remove the baby from her and remove How it from her more? life as she's found guilty. Know. Mr. Sloan for says no it's a package we'll be happy with. So it sounds encouraging. So this is good news? It's very good news. We gave them two days. We'll let you know as soon as the offer comes in. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to go tell Virginia. Okay. There is a Santa Claus, and he got lots of money in that sack. Mm. Wow, huh? I didn't appreciate you springing that stuff in the conference. I didn't plan that. I meant to tell you before, but I, I overslept, and then things looked like they were going south. You don't need to apologize. Good work, Claire. The idea of going to HUD, the legwork, getting a hold of those documents, that was something. It's called zeal. You're a fine young lawyer. And, well, excellent job. Thank you. Great beat for Jimmy. Okay, it's verdict time. What's it going to be, Mike? What's it going to be? How long ago? Jamie. Thank you very much. She lost the baby? She's in so if she loses the baby, Keith, does the, her defense still stand up? Yes. Labor. Members of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you? On the matter of the Commonwealth versus Carrie Nielsen, on the charge of murder in the first degree... We find the case redundant. We find the defendant not guilty. On the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant not guilty. This concludes the jury's service. You are dismissed with the court's That's why stand. you want Eugene. We are adjourned. And Jamie was great here too. Come on, you're adults. Don't be so weird. Handshake. Congratulations. You too. Let's go tell Carrie. What's the twist, Keith? What's the twist? You know what the twist is gonna be. Seven pounds, ten ounces. Everybody's healthy? Mother and son are doing fine. The doctor will be out in a second and she said you could go in. You told her she was acquitted? I did. She's ecstatic. 
It'll just be a second. Good day, I guess. Yep. I loved your closing, by the way. Thank you. Listen, if you still feel like getting dinner sometime later. That'd be great. Okay. You can go in. Thank you. That was the self-tape for somebody. Yep. I didn't see that, Keith. I didn't. Guess she was banging what? the neighbor. She was banging the neighbor. It's the neighbor's baby. Now I see why she won the trial before she delivered. Well, it might not mean anything. Nope. Might not. I mean, twists are part of the show, and that one's kind of interesting, because it, it is ambiguous. Usually the twists tell us right away, but... Uh, I yeah. mean, it's a little stupid, but I, I'm i okay with it. We'll talk more about it, folks. I think Mike's warm heart. I think Mike's heart is warming up. Oh, it's so cute. Her and Jamie. Him and Jamie. It's so cute. <laughs> 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 we'll talk more about it on the After Show show. Eh, we are b -b -b back, baby. Yeah, we are. We are indeed. We have just watched The Practice Season 7, Episode 21, Baby Love. Uh, yeah, so uh, lots of uh, things have happened. Perhaps some new love in the air, but let's, let's figure out how Mike's going to describe it in a segment we call. Mm, two, three. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. 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 Guys, uh, Eugene and Jamie love blossoming. They've got to defend a pregnant lady who may be a little infidelitizing. Um, turns out she is, but it doesn't matter because she's got a lot of money and she's out of prison. Bobby and Lindsay are kaputs. Uh, and in the other case, uh, Jimmy takes uh, Claire under his wing and she uh, does some zealing and she gets lots of money for wheelchair girl. <laughs> okay, great. Now do it again, but that's you know, how she's faster. credited, right? That's how she's credited. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how she's credited. Eleanor butts in. Eugene and Stringer both win. Hmm. Claire Wyatt steps up. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there it is. I think actually you got all three uh, all three plot points in there. So uh, congratulations on that. You know what it's time for, Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! Oopsie! Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, 
and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake awards show that begins with Every time I think maybe you've got it this time. Yeah, it breaks my heart and my vocal mm. cords every time I listen to it. Mm. Do you know, Keith? Yes, you want Eugene. Yes, you want Eugene. Yeah, you want Jamie. Uh, they mm -hmm. both could win, but I think it's time we say Claire gets her first most valuable lawyer. It's oh. maybe not valuable. Uh, you could compare it to her life wasn't on the line, but the rest of her life without legs was. And I don't mean that as flippantly as that sound to cut me <laughs> out of my mouth, but it's true. Like they said, you know, they tried to use their, their, their poverty against them. And, and Claire was able to make that right. Um, yeah. Somehow. And it's a, you know, it's a, maybe look that pebble pebble will have ripples for that young woman. And, uh, it was an injustice that I think she was fighting a systemic injustice rather than just one singular case. And so I say that uh, Claire Wyatt does it. And you know what? I tell you what, you just won your case. I was 100% going to go with Jamie or Eugene, but I think you tugged on my heartstrings. Your closing swayed this jury. Wow. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Claire too. So congratulations. Claire Wyatt on your first MBL. All right, folks, you know what it's time for. Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your I forgot IMDb. the dance. <laughs> Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. That hurt my. I hurt myself doing that today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we're we're podcasting while old. It's dangerous. <laughs> it is dangerous. Um. You know the the. I always apologize. I don't. I don't have the IMDb pulled up, so I don't know the actress's name. Uh, the mother of the young daughter was very great in this episode. Lisa Renee Pitts. Yep. She um, was. But I. I also thought that our pregnant defendant was very good as well. Mm -hmm. Brenda James. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with actually, I think my first instinct because uh, for the same reason, limited scene work, but I think the response to a lot of the, her explanation of the stakes as we were talking about just in, in MVL, you know, the stakes were in some ways seemed lighter than the A case, but in this actress's performance, I think that the stakes were raised for me. And so mm -hmm. if you could say her name again. Uh, Lisa Renee Pitts. Lisa Renee Pitts, I think, raised the stakes for me um, in maybe in potentially an underwritten arc. So I'm gonna go with that for best guest actor. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think she did all of that and did a great job. I think I'm going to split C with you on this and give it to Brenda James uh, because she was interesting and compelling, and I really like the movie Slither. So 
Uh, congratulations, Brenda James and Lisa Renee James on your best guest actor. Oopsies, where the heck is my soundboard? There it is. Now it's time for everyone's favorite crying segment. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Uh, so many great performances this week. So many mm-hmm. great performances. Shout out to Steve Harris, always excellent. Special shout out to, even though she's just butting in, uh, Cameron, but a, a specific special sh- shout out to Kelly Williams, who once again, they've mm. gone, they've written her shit every which way, but yep. consistent. And this week, she got to play a very reasoned articulate the Jamie uh, the the Lindsay I know and thought the character was from the very beginning made a triumphant return and mm-hmm. she performed it exactly how I think she probably wanted to be Lindsay the whole time so right. uh, great shout out but I think this week for me and of course uh, actress who plays Claire Wyatt great performance right uh, Kyler Lee Kyler right I'm trying I'm trying there's so many great actresses but for me, it's Jessica Capshaw this week again. I thought that to come from that last arc and and somehow make her crush on Eugene be confident, be articulated, be performed believably, to and all of but also still perform all of the legalese between the two of them that we love mm-hmm. about the show so directly and so uh, confidently i just thought and, and and for all the reasons i expounded on in in the, the episode proper you know this was a character that had an uphill battle from the beginning because the first question i asked and i think a lot of viewers watched when you saw her enter the series was why and mm-hmm. she has carved out such an amazing s- space for herself in a diff under difficult circumstances and yeah, we could debate the case and whether we liked it or whether we thought they did enough with it and whether they should even be doing all of this personal drama stuff. Uh, but I think she has played it remarkably consistently and powerfully and confidently. I keep saying the word confident. And so, uh, yeah, Jessica Capshaw, once again, I'm giving my yep. oopsie for. No, I I agree with you. Um, I, the character has turned out to be much more interesting uh, than it was portrayed at the outset. Um, and Jessica Capshaw, you know, we, we, we know now having seen her work on Grey's Anatomy and this other thing has, has a lot going on. Um, and, uh, we're seeing that through the character and, you know, the weird sort of like old timey, like, will they, won't they courtship, which feels almost like a, like a forties movie. Um, there's chemistry there. And I think that's, I think that's kind of fun. So, uh, congratulations, Jessica Capshaw. On your best actor, oopsie, which brings us to, and I, I, it's, it's funny to say this, but after last week's uh, amazing round of football, Tom Brady, due to the actions of a certain other quarterback, is the second most hated and rooted against quarterback this, uh, this season. So congratulations to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. You know the old saying, if a tree falls in the forest, but if the greatest of all time 
is mm-hmm. partially the greatest because he's always winning, loses. Is he the greatest of all time? So this week, the Tom Brady Award for Tom, being Tom Brady goes to who? <laughs> who? Tom Brady wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Okay. No, I, I like it. I like it. All right. It is now time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. So the, the, there's plenty of debate that can be had this week about whether it's the right track for David E. Kelly and the writing staff to go down these more personal interrelationship stories. I think there's a lot of justification or a lot of argument you could make that success he's found on other shows has been partially because that's those shows were more about that. And this show's more supposed to be about the, the courtroom, but we've, it feels like they're not as confident in that arena anymore. This week is a great example we used we've we've done some cases that really feel a little redundant. However, twisty twist for Mike, I think they were done incredibly competently and they mixed up the pairings a little bit. And I thought that this episode specifically, the pairing of the personal stuff and the stories was done very well, very well. Mm. And so I'm not I and I I you're very much allowed to do this, but I'm not going to ding the episode so much for its redundancy. I thought the twist was a little, eh, but it was different. It was, well, I don't know if it was different. It was all right. I don't think it affected the outcome and it doesn't affect where the the, the way we ran the defense so much. I, I thought it was all right. I was more compelled by the interpersonal stuff than the case, but I thought the case was pretty good. I loved the the Claire Wyatt case. Once again, we did this kind of redemption arc with Jimmy. We did it with Jamie, but with Claire, it felt earned still. And I liked that they did it with Jimmy because it showed an arc for Jimmy and it showed a circular a circular arc for Jimmy. And I just, I like, despite all of the crap we give David E. Kelly, when he lets the women in the show be strong women, the episodes are the better for it. Yeah, and no, no I, question. I think that we see that trifold this week. We see Lindsay not being, not being hysterical, but being competent, reasoned, and defiant. We get to see uh, Jamie, who was slut-shamed by many men last week in open court in her own friendship, and yet this week she still gets to be bold with her feelings and with uh, both as a lawyer and as a person. She... She also got to show a little vulnerability, but it, was ne- it wasn't so cutesy-cutesy, girly girl that it was gross. It, it felt earned, and she was still confident and bold, and she didn't let Eugene off the hook w- when she called him on his bullshit about him bringing uh, the uncomfortable stuff into the workplace. I thought, I really, I really loved sort of the strength of her character, and then same with Claire. She doesn't give up. She didn't do anything underhanded to earn Jimmy's respect. She she had exact reason. Yeah, I mean, was it a little bit of like a montage where we kind of had to to truncate the legwork 
so-and-so? Yes. And I'll let you kind of pick those bones. But as far as the character work, this is one of those episodes where the character work and the acting trump the the quibbles I have about just sort of what you can accomplish in 40 minutes of television as far as great stories go uh, or in-depth. And and look, we've just run out of twists. We've just run out of good twists. And so this one, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. But the the this was one of the most successful character-driven episodes we've had in quite a while. And so I, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to throw it up there with the best because I don't think that the... I don't think we there was much meat to the... Even the sort of we take advantage of poor people stuff felt a little... It didn't feel fleshed out. It felt sort of like, let's just pick topics out of a hat. But nonetheless... It, not so much so that it felt disrespectful to it. So, look, I think this was a much better episode than we've seen recently. I hope that we can just get past the Bobby Lindsay stuff now because, like we said last week, like I just don't even give a shit no more. I'm and and I'm so happy with where Lindsay is with it, that as a character. That let's just let's just stop. Let's just stop. I think it, you could stop now and it would be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All we're missing is Dylan next episode saying, "I, you know what? I need to." figure out my shit. I'm moving. I'm moving on. I fear that it's not going to be that simple. Uh, so yeah, I liked it. I'm going to give it 7.2 spare tires. Yeah. You liked this episode more than I did. Um, this episode, I, I liked some of the things that you liked about it. I liked some of the character work. I liked, um, I, I liked, uh, Lindsay in this episode um but on a whole it felt like leftovers like both of these stories we've seen before mm. we've seen the twist before we've seen the story before we've seen these arguments before the Claire thing we've gone through that basic arc with every single character on the show Jimmy had it Lindsay had it Jamie had it. Rebecca had it. We, we, how many times are we going to do that exact same set of beats? And it feel it felt it felt like leftovers. It felt like I, I ate this last night, and it doesn't taste as good the second time around. And the only mm. difference is like we have some new actors playing the same part. It it felt very repetitious. Um, you know the twist, uh, like. Come on, like the oh my god, it's a black baby twist is like, eh, eh. I mean, come on, do better. <laughs> so, um, you know, the performances are always good, and the um, you know, if this were a season two episode and I hadn't seen all these things before, I'd probably like it more, but you know, we're the problem is I have seen all the episodes before, so I'm I'm aware of what you've put on the plate before i know what we had for dinner last night and so uh you know and shoehorning eleanor into that storyline just because you need to have cameron do something like it all felt it all felt like a writing room that was tired Hmm. it felt tired and and i think because that's sort of what it is i mean david e kelly at this point was so overextended he was recycling jokes on multiple different 
shows, recycling plot points from other shows, it, it, recycling plot points in the in its own show, and it just like it. It's time for it, like I think this show needs a vacation, and David E. Kelly needs a vacation, and uh, needs to come up and uh, you know uh, update the menu as Gordon Ramsay would have you do. So, you know. Uh, was it terrible? No. No, it wasn't terrible. I just like, eh, all right. Uh, so it gets 6.75 tires for me. That's fair, I think. I, you know, it's interesting you bring up the flavor stuff because I'm curious about our consistency. When we, when other shows, when we start to rate Star Trek, get introduced, I'm curious because the difference here is is like it's not sci-fi, right? In sci-fi, you can do the same plot, but like make it different aliens, and it's different. You know what I mean? So I'll be interested to see how much repetition we we encounter in a sci-fi universe without yeah. dinging it as much. Well, or maybe well, we for will. Sure. Well, with sci-fi, you have such a wider variety of stories that you can tell, mm -hmm. um, and you you can you can go to different worlds and lands and have diseases and time travel and technology and medical stuff whereas this you know in defense of the show you're it's like if you if you tell any story about one self-contained environment 160 times like it's gonna get harder and harder to keep those stories fresh so like it's definitely a high uh right and i think the difference between you and i as far as our watching habits or what we, or our tastes per se, is that, you know, you're not as into the, the will they, won't they, the interpersonal drama. And so what I think the show, the shift the show has made here clearly is that they are using the court now as sort of a backdrop to the relationship right. and the personal drama stuff happening. And that's less interesting to you. So the redundancy yeah, sticks out a little bit more versus where I, I, it doesn't bother me as and, much. And it happens a lot in long running shows. I mean, Grey's Anatomy used to be about medicine. <laughs> you know, it used to be about the, the, the medical case of the week and it abandoned that like season four. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're still going. All right. Well, let us move forward. Let's take a look at our Easter egg. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. Bang. Oh my god, you forgot about the Easter egg. And where is Everybody's it? Everybody's favorite part. Where do I put it usually? It's on our two oh. shot. That's okay, that's no, that's that's high coopsie. Just gonna let it run. Oh there we are. <laughs> I really I just I couldn't find the button. Uh mm -hmm. is that's <laughs> so small. <laughs> Is that Freud with a baby? It it is not Freud. It is Anton Chekhov. Because Chekhov's baby. Chekhov's baby. Because we had a prego. You know the baby's coming out. And I believe I have already used a Chekhov's something joke before, so it's time for Even my jokes are warmed over leftovers. It felt like it matched. Reduce. Reuse. Reuse. Recycle. Recycle. Oh, folks. Yeah, here it is. 
Folks, you have listened to yet another episode of the Out of Practice Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you would like to reach out and talk to us, you can find us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're at it, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. We will gratefully welcome you into the jury and read your comments. And uh, you want who else we're grateful to? We are grateful to our founding sponsors who have given us money for reasons. Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Jennifer Masanova, Kari Kuhn. Mike just moves it very fast, so I can't actually read what's on the screen. I wanted to see if you had it memorized because no one has added their name to that list in quite a while. But if you would like to, you can do so. Very easy to do so. I put show notes in the episode when it drops, and you can click on one of the links. One-time contribution, sustaining membership, be a friend we need to pay for that hulu anyway (laughs) we also have other shows in the cooker and on the internets we are getting information from playmates about their toys and we're talking about it on the internet listen i know that you wouldn't fire off laser sounds with me for a million years but why don't we jump in a time machine and fast forward a million years and fire off some laser sounds (coughs) mike seduces the audience with laser sounds